0: Hello and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpe. And I'm Pete Torpe.
1: It's really allowing the blind and visual impaired community to run without the use of a guide or a sighted guide. It's obviously still in its infancy, but the ultimate goal really is to provide true navigation, right? Where right now you're following a line. It's almost like the, the self-driving cars, right? They started off by following a line or whatever it is, but now they're getting to the point where they can navigate freely. And that's where we really want to be.
2: And today we'll be talking about a proof of concept where a blind person can really
0: navigate and run independently. We'll speak with Bill Ma, Director of IT and Operations, and Jesse DiNapoli, Manager of Admissions at Guiding Eyes for the Blind, about how their blind CEO, Thomas Panic has used the Google Project Guideline app to run on his own. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip came from Bill Ma at the end of the interview. Okay. What's your tip?
1: Life's too short. Enjoy yourself.
0: (laughs) And if you enjoy running, here's a way you can get involved, whether or not you can see.
1: Absolutely.
2: And from personal experience, I can tell you that having a good run-in can really make you feel better the rest of the day. Exercise is a great thing. You are listening
0: to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Bill and Jesse.
1: My name is Bill Ma. I work at Guiding Eyes for the Blind here in Yorktown Heights, New York, and I am director of IT and also manage operations.
3: My name is Jesse DiNapoli. I also work at Guiding Eyes for the Blind, and I've been with the organization for 18 years, and I am the manager of admissions.
0: So most of your clients, in fact, all of your clients, I would imagine, and most, if not all of our listeners have visual impairments. Does either of you? I do not. I also do not. How did you end up working at Guiding Eyes for the Blind?
1: I started working at Guiding Eyes for the Blind because I started as a volunteer, actually. I started as a home socializer, which is taking young puppies, six to eight week old puppies home. And I did that for a while, then I started volunteering the kennels and I saw a job position open up and I applied for it and here I am, eight years later.
3: I started at Guiding Eyes uh, in 2002. Uh, I started in the kennel as a kennel technician. um, And I found Guiding Eyes totally by accident through a local newspaper ad and uh, it was right after college and I really wanted to work with animals and uh, from there i have just progressed the organization
2: it must be a very rewarding job for both of you to set up your clients with all their dogs that can help them run their daily lives effectively
1: absolutely it's interesting because i'm on the it operations side and it's really more of a support role here at County eyes i do interact with students every so often for technical issues but Seeing them get their independence from receiving a guide dog, whether it's their first one or their 10th one, is extremely rewarding to see the freedom that they get out of it.
0: Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill.
2: Learn more by sending an email
0: to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Google's project guideline and how blind people are able to use it to navigate fairly quickly. Well, today we
2: primarily wanted to talk about some new technology that your CEO, Thomas Panic used recently. But maybe you can start out, Jesse, by telling us a little bit about what Guiding Eyes for the Blind does.
3: Yeah, so uh, Guiding Eyes for the Blind has been training guide dogs for people with visual impairments since 1954, and we offer several different training programs. We have a residential class program where people come to our campus at Guiding Eyes and train with their guide dog. We also have a home training program where we go to a person's home area and train in their home area with a new guide dog. We also have a specialized training program, which focuses on working with people who have visual impairments and a secondary disability or challenge. And uh, we also have our running guides program, which is a program uh, that's probably our newest program at Guiding Eyes. And we train people uh, first with their guide dog and then also teach them uh, how to run with a guide
0: dog. Over the years we've actually done a number of episodes about guide dogs everything from breeding to puppy raising to the interaction and training with the forever person. And we did a show with the president of Guiding Eyes for the Blind, Thomas Panic, who couldn't join us today, about his experiences running with a guide dog. And I guess he was the first in your running program.
3: Yes. When he came to Guiding Eyes, he was definitely a a huge advocate and starter for our running guide program. I think our first graduate uh, was Richard Hunter, um, and then Thomas Panic followed shortly afterwards. In our running guide program, we currently have 53 active running guide dog teams.
2: Wow. That really is great. And for our listeners who may not have caught that episode with Thomas, he is blind, and he ran a marathon with those dogs, but today we want to talk about some new venture that you and he worked on in conjunction with Google to help him run with some assistance. So, Bill, you want to sort of set that up for us and tell us how that all got started?
1: Yeah, so Thomas went to a Google hackathon, and... This was at a time period where I was not with the company I was with the I, I worked for the company for about five and a half years and I left for a little bit and during that time, Thomas went to a Google hackathon and he presented this challenge which was basically running by yourself whether it's in a marathon or just navigation like true true freedom not having to use a guide dog to to run a marathon and he posed that challenge to the Google team and they basically rose up to the challenge they came up with a couple of different um, ideas and whatnot and they came up with a solution pretty quickly and while i was no longer with the company you know thomas and i stayed in touch and he came to me and asked me if i wanted to rejoin the company because he was working on this really cool technology project but he couldn't tell me what it was so i basically had to take a leap of faith so to speak and uh rejoined the company. And that's when he told me it was with Google and it was to use technology to allow him to run independently of a guide dog. And the Google solution was to use a mobile device. In this case, it was a Google Pixel 4, which would follow a yellow painted line that was on the road.
2: So presumably he had this Pixel 4 hung around his neck somehow. It was looking at the road in front of him and some software took care of all the feedback to direct him where to go?
1: Yeah, it's something similar to that. So what it was is the Google Pickles, we utilized the Google Pixel phone's camera, front phone camera, which was strapped around his waist. And there was an app on the phone which recognized a yellow line that was painted down on the road surface. And in conjunction with a pair of Aftershocks headphones, which are bone-conducting headphones, and the reason we use those was it allowed him to still have open audio. So it didn't disrupt, you know, what he could actually hear since it was bone-conducting.
2: Right. That's very important for a blind person.
1: Yes, it is very important to be able to hear your surroundings, obviously. And what would happen is if you're following on the line, it would make a certain tone. However, if you veered too far to the left or too far to the right, it would make a louder and louder tone to basically correct you back. So how that worked was, let's just say, if you're running along and you start getting to the left of the line, the left headset would get louder and louder, basically attempting to push you back to the right. So to center you back on the line.
0: I'm curious, you were brought back to Guiding Eyes To be the IT person working on this project, what was your role, Bill?
1: My role really was to help Google understand the accessibility technology that existed and what the challenges were. So, you know, Thomas was the end user, obviously. He was able to define the scope of what he was looking for. But I was able to work with Google, not just on the technology, since I understood the technology, mobile technology and whatnot, but also help them understand the accessible technology side. Because there's a lot of accessibility technologies out there already, but none of them really provide true navigation and freedom like this technology did.
0: So I can imagine for the first couple of experiments, presumably guiding eyes, facilities, people allowed Thomas to get a yellow line painted somewhere on your campus. How did he manage to get a yellow line painted anywhere else on the street?
3: All
1: right. So how it really started was they did it down in the New York City armory where there was a running track, you know, indoor running track, Uh and it already had a yellow line down on it. And since it was an indoor oval, it was a fairly, you know, safe place to be able to test this technology. And that's where the I would call the alpha version came about. So they did extensive testing on that track first. Once I guess the proof of concept was proven that it could happen, and obviously then COVID hit right back in March of 2020. So we kind of had to do a lot of stuff virtually online with Google Team, and they did a lot of uh work with AI and virtual lines to be able to teach the artificial intelligence of the app how to follow the line. So I would have to say in probably the August timeframe of 2020, we got permission from a local state park to paint a line on one of their walking paths that was near Thomas's house. And we were actually able to do our first real live testing in that environment.
2: And how did that work out when you first did the test outdoors in a real environment?
1: <laughs> it's funny you ask that because the second Thomas strapped that device to his waist, he was in a full bore sprint. Wow. Running on the line. <laughs> there was no holding him back. He was flat out from the second he he took the technology and he ran it with like literally no issues. We obviously tweaked it a little bit or the Google team tweaked it a little bit on the way. Just to allow him to, uh, he liked a little bit more uh, a narrower tunnel, as we call it. It's a virtual tunnel you're running in, so just certain barriers to the left and the right, right?
2: Yeah. So he didn't want to be too far away from the center of the yellow line.
1: Correct. So you know there were some tweaks in the software that allowed him to do that. But basically, from from this moment, he strapped the technology to his waist. He was just running completely freely.
2: Is this a track he was familiar with in terms of running with running partners or with dogs previously?
1: He knows the area, right? Because he is basically almost, the state park is like almost in his backyard. So he's familiar with it. He's run it with a guide dog before, but he doesn't really, you know, he's never really run it, run it. I would have to say the track is probably about eight feet wide. And it's hilly too. It's also has quite a few decent curves on it, and it's also has a lot of foliage over the top. So there's a lot of different shadowing and whatnot. So there's a lot of questions of whether the technology can handle the shadows, whether there's leaves, you know, different uh, variations in light. And the technology performed flawlessly, really.
2: So he came out in one piece at the end?
1: He ran it, uh, I think it was about a half a mile to run from one end to the other. And he was able to run it back and forth without any issues.
0: Has either of you ever tried running with the Google guideline system?
1: I've never run with it, but I've jogged with it. And it's actually very intuitive to use. Obviously, you know, we're blindfold with the Aftershocks boom conducting headphones. And it's extremely easy to use. You, know, you have the audio tones in your ears. So... When it gets louder on the left, it really just is pushing you to the right and vice versa. And um, I didn't have any issues with it.
2: Now, many of these technologies, they sound kind of simple in principle. I mean, as you pointed out, well, we have a camera. It follows this painted yellow line. That sounds reasonably easy. But then the details can often mess up a technology, and you really have to be careful about that. So I'm envisioning it's okay following a yellow line if there's no one around. You don't expect any passers-by with a carriage or a kid coming by. Does the technology deal with any of these other potential hazards?
1: No, the technology does not do any kind of object detection or pawhole detection or anything along those lines. Just to kind of fast forward a little bit, Thomas did run a 5K in Central Park using technology. So I think it was like six laps in Central Park North. And he did have a police escort in front and behind to make sure that it was clear of of people being on that line. So there was really nothing in front of him or behind him. So the line was totally clear.
0: So you talked briefly about there might be leaves on the path that would interrupt the continuity of the yellow line or sometimes painted lines on pavement get worn out. How did the technology handle interruptions on the line?
1: It was designed to handle very brief interruptions. Like if there's a leaf, well, first off, we actually did blow the line off after it was painted the day we ran it with leaf blowers to make sure there wasn't anything debris on the line. But let's just say if there was a couple pieces, the technology is designed to be able to ignore that. Uh, If it's just a brief interruption, it's the longer interruptions, let's just say a few extra, like if the line disappeared for a few feet to the app, the app would then state stop, stop, stop.
0: Oh, because it would assume that you were too far off the line and it couldn't just tell you to go right or left because it couldn't find the
1: line. That's correct. So at the state park, since it was a line, it wasn't a loop, right? It had a specific beginning and an end. And at every one of those points, the line just stopped. So the way the app would work is once it stops detecting the line, it would actually say in the uh, bone-conducting headphones, stop, stop, stop. And that would tell Thomas to stop.
2: That was one of my first questions, actually, when thinking about this technology, because I know Thomas has run marathons with crowds of other people, and you just described the loop that he ran. But in many of these races, you'll be crossing streets, and the yellow lines don't extend across the cross streets. So there is always an interruption in the line.
1: That's correct. And that's why this was done in a controlled environment with the one continuous line now Obviously, we found a path that didn't have existing lines. We used to joke, you know, make sure it's not a double yellow line, right? (laughs) But we made sure that there weren't any other extraneous lines that could potentially interrupt the app and the connectivity to that line. There was a couple areas where there was a slight crosswalk or whatever. We were able to black out or we tested prior and the app was not affected by, you know, the additional lines and... Uh, within view, but it was more of a controlled environment.
2: Well, that's always a good way to start.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, eventually, I know uh, Google is working with a couple of other uh, uh, organizations, such as Achilles, that, and they're looking to roll this out technology out to other areas where they can put down lines where you know, people can use the tech.
2: So this started out as kind of a fun proof of concept project for you and Google, but it sounds like there are plans to leverage this to do other things.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's really just, it's really allowing the the blind and visual and impaired community to to run without the use of a guide or a sighted guide, right, to be tethered. Um, It's obviously still in its infancy, but the ultimate goal really is to provide true I guess navigation, right? Where right now you're following a line. It's almost like the the self-driving cars, right? They started off by following a line or whatever it is, but now they're getting to the point where they can navigate freely. And that's where we really want to be. Now, this is a first step. How cool would it be if Thomas could get in a self-driving car, go tell the car to take him to, Uh, the local Home Depot, be able to get out and be able to find, you know, a certain area within Home Depot with complete freedom and navigation.
2: Well, you always have to start someplace with a small step.
1: That's absolutely right. That's the way technology always happens.
2: Have you had any other blind individuals try out this system?
1: I'll let Jesse speak to that because we actually had five other graduates use the technology. And they're still alive, I take it, Jesse?
3: Yes, yes, they are. They are still alive. We actually had six um, GEB graduates, guide dog users, who we reached out to and agreed to participate in an experiment using the same, um, the same track, the same rail trail that Thomas had used for his first initial tests. Two of the people who came and tested were part of our running guide program, Uh, and four of the other people who came out to test the technology, you know, were just everyday guide dog users, and everybody did great with it. And it was actually really surprising, every person, all six of the people commented um, how user friendly it was, how intuitive it was. And they very quickly uh, were able to just get up to their regular walking speed. And the the two people who are running guide dog users, uh, they both felt comfortable running most of the track. So they started out just walking and getting used to the auditory signals from the headphones and just getting used to using the technology and and very quickly, they, um, I don't know that they took off at a full sprint like Thomas did, but by the end of the track, by the end of the mile, they were running at their regular running paces. Um, and so it, the technology worked really well. And at the, the end of, of all six test runs, all the people had very good things to say about the technology. They were excited they were already thinking of ways that they could use it in their home environments so the the tests that we did were were really positive and had really good results
2: are you actively working yourselves with google to enhance this technology and sort of take the next step
1: not at this point we've been in touch with them on and off just to see what their plans are they've been working we did introduce them to all these other uh, other organizations let's say, let's just say like Achilles is one of the big ones because they provide sighted guides for marathons. So they really were the perfect, I guess, uh, organization for Google to work with because this is what the technology was for, really.
2: Yeah, so you've kind of seeded the process so people can now take advantage of this and see how they can use it for their own circumstances.
1: Correct. And, you know, we've been exploring Internally, here at Ghani Eyes, Thomas and I have been working on further enhancing not this specific technology, but looking forward to seeing what other new technologies we can use to provide that true navigation.
2: Well, that's terrific. We wish you luck with that and keep us posted as new developments come along.
1: Absolutely.
0: You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Guiding Eyes for the Blind and Google's Project Guideline and how to contact them or Jesse DiNapoli or Bill Ma directly.
2: Jesse, we talked a bit about the service and if you could tell us where people can find you that would be helpful to our listeners.
3: Oh, sure. Yeah. So we have our our website is www.guidingeyes.org. And on the website, you can learn just general information about Guiding Eyes, but there's also a rundown of our application and eligibility requirements. If someone is interested in getting a guide dog, Uh, we also have an online application That's available on our website as well. If anybody has questions and wants to speak to a person directly, they can reach out to us at 914-243-2222.
2: And of course, your services are free to the clients. And if people want to learn more about some of that, they can listen to some of the previous episodes in which we interviewed Thomas
0: Panic.
3: Yes, all services are free free to our our, um, applicants and students.
0: Do you have a social media presence?
3: Yes, we do have a social media presence. We are on Facebook and we are on Instagram.
0: Jesse, if
2: people have questions for you directly, will they be able to contact you?
3: They can contact me and they can reach me at the same number, 914-243-2222. That's the admissions team and that's the best way to get in touch with me. They have questions about guide dogs or how to apply for a guide dog.
2: And how about you, Bill? If people had questions about your involvement in the project or other aspects, how would they contact you?
1: I think the best way to contact me would be via email. And my email address is BMA, as in Bravo Mike Alpha, at guidingeyes.org.
0: If people wanted more information about the Google Guidelines Project, where would they go for that?
1: Uh, they can feel free to reach out to me. And I could probably give him, uh, point him in the right direction or put him in contact with the, the appropriate people.
2: Yeah. Well, it's always interesting to see what Tom is doing. He's a pretty intrepid guy in terms of trying out these new things and always open to new ideas.
1: Yeah. He's yeah. pretty fearless when it comes to technology. And that's, you know, that's one of the, the reasons I came back and rejoined the company mm-hmm. because I knew he, he's this kind of person, right? Mm-hmm. He, he likes to push the, the technology envelope.
0: Yeah, one of the things he complained to us about is that the guide dogs get trained to run at an eight-minute mile, and he wanted to go faster. So I wasn't at all surprised when you said he took off at a sprint.
1: Yeah, uh, you should have saw the one of the developer's faces when he first took <laughs> off. They, they lined him up on the line, and he, he took off at a dead sprint. You think this was like a 100-yard dash? I would have thought that one developer was going to pass out. <laughs> she was like, her mouth was wide. She was like, oh, my God, <laughs> when he just ran off.
2: It's one thing doing it indoors in your controlled environment around the track and the gym, as you pointed out. But then going outdoors on a track that you weren't familiar with and just taking off like that is, is really something. I would have started out slowly and then worked up my speed, I think. But good for him.
1: Uh, yeah, I felt the same way. You know, you don't want to be, end up running into the woods or something. But yeah. <laughs> he's fearless when it comes to this stuff.
2: Well, cool. And as usual, if you missed any of that contact information in the audio portion of the program, you can always find it in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. I also want to remind people that Eyes on Success now has a new YouTube channel. So subscribe to that and you won't miss an episode.
0: That's it for show number 2146. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about a recently published book with a blind protagonist. We spoke about the book Guiding Emily by Barbara Hinsky several years ago, and it describes the journey of a newly blinded woman with her first guide dog. Emily's story is continued in the recently released sequel, The Unexpected Path, and we will talk with Barbara about the new book, its inspiration, and what she learned doing extensive research for and writing both books. And join us
2: next week if you'd like to hear about her new book. And some of it is even told from the perspective of the guide dog. So it's pretty neat.
0: You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast,
2: and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net.